You are listening to Daily Devotions with Pastor Robert Marsbach. We believe that these devotions will encourage and strengthen you. So tune in, connect, and be blessed. For any more information, please visit us online at lifechurchuk.org. Welcome to Life Devotions. Thank you for joining me today. The truth in us is the title of this devotion. 1 John chapter 1, verse 8 says, If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. You see, it is having the spirit of truth within us, Christ, who is truth, being formed in us, that we are able to detect any kind of deception of our own thoughts, like Jeremiah would say in chapter 17, that our own heart can be so deceptive and so self-deceived. And, and or as Solomon would say in Proverbs chapter 3, do not be wise in your own eyes. Don't be conceited. Don't be arrogant and self-minded. No, be tender-hearted to let yourselves be taught of God. One of the great truths of Christianity is that you're taught of God. Jesus said in John 6 verse 44, Nobody can come to me unless the Father draws them. As it is written, they shall all be taught of God. And whoever has heard and learned from the Father, Jesus said, comes to me. There is an sign in the nature of your willingness to be honest with yourself that it shows who's your teacher. It shows that the Heavenly Father, by His Spirit, is leading you into all truth and is guiding you and instructing you in the way that you should go. And truth is living in you, guiding, lighting up the path before you, illuminating your steps, keeping you. I can't go there. I can't think that. I can't talk like that. I shouldn't have reacted like that. I shouldn't have said that. It's the truth making you aware. And it's a godly self-awareness. However, we sometimes need help desperately in this area because we can be like Peter. Jesus said to Peter in Luke chapter 22, in Luke chapter 22, come on. Jesus said in verse 31, And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you've returned to me, strengthen your brethren. But he said to him, Lord, I'm ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Then he said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster shall not crow this day before you will deny three times that you know me. I think that all of us have a journey in our lives that is vital to our walk in the truth. And in that journey, and it can sometimes be an instant experience, but most of the time it's, it's quite a, a journey of 
circumstances that brings us like the prodigal example of Luke chapter 15 to come to our senses and realize like the prodigal. It says there in Luke chapter 15, since we're so close by, you might as well read it. It says in verse 17 of chapter 15, And when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger. I will arise, go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. You see, all of us have this journey where we come to our senses. And it's the spirit of truth that would want you to be led there, not some brutal, harsh, cruel, mean situation. But sadly, we usually choose the size of the rod by which we are chastised. And I would like to pray like Jeremiah prayed, Lord, even at my best, I make a mess of it. Please correct me, but not in your wrath, lest I be consumed. Jeremiah prayed this. Lord, even at our best, we fail, we stumble, we fall. Or as Isaiah would say in chapter 40, he says, even young men grow hungry, but they that wait upon the Lord renew their strength. In other words, young men, like young lions who are able to fight for the prey, even they grow hungry as in their own strength they can't meet their own needs. But they that wait upon the Lord. You know, it's a beautiful part there in Isaiah. And all of us come to this realization that I have nothing apart from you. I am nothing apart from you. And you come into the knowledge of the truth, my dear friends. And we need help with this. And Jesus said to Peter, Peter, it's not just that you are not willing. I know your spirit is willing, Peter, but your flesh is weak. And Satan has been wanting to expose that you're just a mere human being when I know that you have the true faith of God in your heart. I know it was my Father who revealed in you that I am the Christ, the Son of the living God, Matthew 16, 18. So Peter, I know That faith in you will not fail because God is the source of it. So I'm praying, I'm praying for your faith not to fail and that you'll return to me after you come to your senses that I can't do this in my own strength. But Peter couldn't hear Jesus. He was self-deceived, really. He was confident in self, not in Christ. And... And the Lord says, Peter, when Peter said, no, Lord, I'll never deceive you. I'll never, never. I will always be faithful to you, even unto death. And Jesus said, Peter, before the cock has crowed tomorrow morning, you will have denied that you even know me three times. And Peter kept saying no. And then Jesus said to Peter, because Peter was sincere, folks. He was willing. You can be sincere and still really need help. And Peter's, and the Lord said to Peter, Peter, come with me to pray. Now, come on, pray, pray. Lest the weakness of your flesh enters temptation and comes under the mastership of sin. Friends, this flesh must be kept. But the power of God unto salvation, as long as we're in it, and 
till our journey in this body has been completed, till we exchange it for a heavenly home. Second Corinthians chapter 5. But friends, we need to be kept because sin has been the master in this flesh and sin will continue to be the master in this flesh unless Christ becomes the master, unless Christ who conquered, overcame and deprived sin of power over the flesh reigns in us and gives us freedom from the sin nature by his sinless life in us. There is no way to live free from sin in the flesh except by the life of the Son of God in us because he cannot sin. John says, the reason you keep on sinning is because you don't know Christ. Not know is in mentally, I know. No, perceiving, recognizing his life-giving spirit in you, keeping you from sinning. I don't have any confidence in myself that I will not sin. Absolutely not. Not one iota do I have have confidence in myself that I won't sin. My only confidence that I won't sin is Christ who keeps me from sinning and he is able to keep me. Oh, how I day and night meditate upon his ability to keep me from sinning. And friends, it's not that you are not willing. Yes, you can be so willing and yet stumble through some temptation. Like Peter, it's just a young girl who was working there. She said, you're one of them. They said, no, I, I, no, I'm not, no, I'm not. And then another young girl said, oh, I know you're one of them. He said, I'd be cursed if I know that. And Peter stumbled. His flesh became sin. What was his sin? He didn't stay in faith. He gave in to this horrible spirit of Antichrist, of unbelief. And that is a terrible spirit in this world that wants to capture children of God and we are able to withstand him through the spirit of truth in us, through the spirit of intercession. Sin will come knocking on your door, folks. It will come knocking on anyone's door, my door too. But I know what will keep it from ever being able to enter the door of my life and that's the blood of Jesus. Only the blood keeps me from sinning. Only the life-giving spirit of Christ keeps me from sinning. And the Lord said to Cain in Genesis chapter 4, verse 7, If you do well, will you not be accepted? If you do not do well, sin lies at the door and its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. How do you rule over sin? What was it that God showed Cain that he should do that was right in his sight to follow his brother's example and to bring the Lord to blood sacrifice? But he refused to do it. He just insisted on not doing what God showed was the way to live right in his sight. He would not accept the sacrifice. Cain wouldn't do it. And because he would not do it, He had no power over sin, and sin mastered him. And sin caused him to horribly fail by killing his own brother, slaying his own brother. I mean, it's quite unimaginable that he did such an evil thing when that never happened in in heaven and earth before. He was the first murderer. The Bible says here in Romans chapter 6, Should we, this is the Living Bible, should we keep on sinning? You know, Pastor, I I, I try, but I I can't help it when I fail. Nobody's perfect. 
you know, that way of thinking is not going to help you. And, and, and you shouldn't have that heart and mind to talk that way. Really, and I know we can sometimes pick up these familiar behaviors, but it's not holy and it's not righteous in God's sight. So put that away from yourself. Should we keep on sinning when we don't have to? Sin's power over us was broken when we became Christians. Romans 6 verse 3 in the Living Bible. And were baptized to become part of Jesus Christ. You see, through his death, the power of our sinful nature was shattered. Your old sin-loving nature was buried with him by baptism when he died. And when God the Father with glorious power brought him back to life again, you were given his wonderful new life to enjoy. I so believe in this. And when that spirit of truth is in you, it gives you this kind of faith that you read about here. No, sin no no longer needs to be my master. I believe through the one sacrifice of himself, shedding his innocent blood, he sprinkles my heart with that precious blood through the Holy Spirit so sin cannot have dominion over my heart and motivate me and incline, give me inclinations to things that are unclean, unholy, unrighteous. And no, I from within will shun it by the spirit of truth in me to know, no, that's not holy. That's not right. Oh, I'm not, won't go that way. Friends, you got to hear what I'm saying because this is your only freedom. It's the spirit of truth within you that says, no, I will not be a slave of sin anymore. Your old sin loving, your old evil desires were nailed to the cross with Jesus Christ. That part of you that loves to sin was crushed fatally wounded so that your sin-loving body is no longer under sin's control. It no longer needs to be a slave of sin. Now, come on, believe this. Sin need never again, verse 14, to be your master. For now, you are no longer on some legal system with rituals. No, you're under the power of the love of Christ, the wonderful spirit of life in Christ that liberates you from the law of sin and death. You are no longer a victim to say, I just can't help, but I just got so angry. I just can't help, but I just got so lustful. I can't help, but I just, I got these horrible thoughts. I can't, I can't. Yes, you can have help. We are not helpless. And we're not hopeless because Jesus Christ is here for us. So let me close with you here from Hebrews chapter 2 and chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 2. Oh, how I'm happy. I know this is in the Bible. It is evident that it was essential, verse 17 of Hebrews 2, that Jesus would be made like his brethren in every respect in order that he might become a merciful sympathetic and faithful high priest in the things relating to God to make atonement and propitiation for the people's sin, to make a sacrifice, to take our place. For because he himself in his humanity has suffered in being tempted, tested and tried, he's able immediately to run to the cry of a system relief those who are being tempted, tested, tried, and who have therefore been exposed to suffering. Jesus Christ is your helper. That sin is no more your master. 
you by the spirit of life in Christ, by the truth in Christ can detect its, its, its thoughts and feelings and say, no, you have no power over me. No, I will not serve you anymore. No, I will not react to these thoughts and feelings. No, no, no. Jesus gives you the power to say no to sin and to rule over it like I read to you from Genesis 4 verse 7. Lastly, we don't have a high priest who's unable to understand chapter 4 verse 15 in Hebrews and sympathize and have a shared feeling with our weaknesses and infirmities and the liabilities to the assaults of temptation. Yes, you see, he, but one who has been tempted in every respect as we are yet without sinning. So come on, let us fearlessly and confidently, boldly draw near to his throne of grace, the throne of God's unmerited favor to us sinners, that we might receive mercy for our failures and find grace to help in good time for every need, appropriate help, and well-timed help coming just when we need it. Simply, when that temptation is there, when those feelings rise up in your flesh of lusts, of desire, of complaining, of want, of need, of pain, of not having, of self-pity, of low, depressive feelings, there's that spirit of truth in us rising up, lifting up our hands in worship and praise, saying, I know my Redeemer lives, my God, my strength, my God, my strength, my light, my salvation. I worship you. I worship you. I worship you. And all those feelings of weakness are coming under the force of his resurrection life. And all those feelings of want and need are satisfied from above. Proverbs 14, 14, a good man is satisfied from above. And all those feelings of sorrow and self-pity and moping and complaining, it's all bought up in the blood, bought up in the wonderful love of our Savior and causing us to be more than conquerors through him who loved us. Amen. Have a good day.